You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. What is up, everybody, and happy Victory Monday or Victory Week, depending on when you're listening to listening to this. Welcome back to the Jags Den podcast. Of course, we are the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire via USA Today. I am your host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, and I am joined here by my partner in crime, James Johnson, our fearless leader. Buddy, how's it going, and how are you doing this Victory Monday? Great, man. Much better than I was last week around this time. As you can see from the text I sent you, uh, I said some not so nice thing about Blake and his performance against the Titans. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it is what it is. And uh, in, his, in his defense, he came back and turned it around in uh, a rather impressive performance that I'm uh, so glad to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. It was an exciting day down at the bank, and once again, the the fan base came out in force, despite it still not feeling like fall here in Jacksonville. Somebody, but someone needs to tell Florida that it's October because they <laughs> they must not know. So, um, but yeah, it was a really exciting atmosphere down at TIAA TIAA Bank Stadium. My, myself, as well as a couple friends, were in attendance, and uh, once again, a lot of fun. And it was good to see the offense and the defense back in in full swing against the New York football Jets. And uh, before we get started and and start talking about yesterday's game, of course, we want to shout out our colleague, uh, Jacob DeLawrence, who could not join us here today. He's at underscore J Della. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher. Tune in iHeartRadio as well as Spotify. And then we are also on the USA Today's Audio Boom Network. So yeah, uh, like like I mentioned before, it was a really fun day um, for the Jaguars. Thirty-one to twelve victory over the rebuilding Sam Darnold-led New York Jets. And we just want to get a couple quick hits out of the way before we get into the the real meat of the subjects and the topics we want to get into. And the first one, uh, <laughs> maybe uh, a little petty. Um, this this team. <laughs> <laughs> this team seems to thrive uh, in the pettiness, and <laughs> with, with with only 25 seconds to go, uh, the Jaguars score again to go up. Uh, I believe it was 32. They went up 31 to 12. Um, you know, pretty comfortable lead, and they decide to go for two, which was what the chart said, according to Coach Doug Monroe. <laughs> um, Leonard uh, Leonard <laughs> defensive lineman Leonard Williams. Was not very happy about it, stating that was it was disrespectful. However, it must uh, stay also stating that it must say something about us, referring to his team, uh, the New York Jets. Uh, safety Jamal Adams and uh, wide receiver Quincy Anunua didn't seem to find anything anything wrong, as they would also have a similar mentality. But Jay, when you saw them lining up and going and going for that two point conversion, up with you know up by that much and with such a little amount of time was this a, a decision that was fueled by animosity or what was going on here do you think well i was happy to see it. i mean as always i think most jags fans can agree upon this like when doug marone does petty stuff like this or what is viewed as something petty like we love it because i mean look the league has given us grief for so long like it's just us returning the favor if you will so yeah when i saw this i was like uh 
I don't think this is necessary, but I was I was happy that he was doing doing it. I wasn't exactly mad or or one of those people that was like, oh, this ain't a good idea. I mean, at that point, the game was out of hand. So clearly, regardless of what Marone says, it probably was was fueled by animosity. Although, like you could argue that, like, if there is a time to test out your two point conversion offense or two point conversion play, it's when the game is out of hand like that, because, you know, you can practice it for a later time where you actually need to convert on a two point conversion and, and when it's meaningful. So, you know, I, I mean, I could see why they would try and test it out there, you know, for, for later purposes. But for the most part, I think, yeah, it was fueled by animosity, as you know, Doug Marone has history with the Jets and all with him interviewing there. And I guess you could say, um, who, who is their owner? Mr. Woody Johnson. Is it? I think. Right. Something. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Woody Johnson, you know, letting it get out in the media. If he let it get out in the media, we're assuming it was him, but that, you know, Doug Marone quote unquote bombed the interview or didn't do so well in it. And I mean, like, you know, Doug probably didn't take that well. I mean, Malik Jackson even came out to say after the game that Doug don't like those guys, quote unquote. And I'm paraphrasing him there, but clearly, you know, (laughs) behind the scenes, Doug has something against the New York Jets. And, And again, he's from New York, you know, like he grew up. Uh, watching the Jets and and the Giants, of course. So you know that was probably a dream job of his that didn't fall through, and um, you know he let them feel his quote unquote wrath for uh, letting him slip away and uh, choosing Todd Bowles over him. Yeah, I mean I could definitely see why uh, why Coach would be you know a little irritated about that, especially if something like that leaked to the media. As we um, you know as we were recording this, you know of course there's can, there's always um, uh, there, there's always news breaking, and as of right now, uh, I did just get a notification here: D.D. Westbrook and Jamal Adams <laughs> are still still going at it here on uh, uh, on Twitter. Um, I won't uh, I won't quote what Jamal Adams had to say to respond, um, but it is out there and easy to find um, if you want to go take a look at it. You know, maybe that had something to do with it as well. Didn't really, you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of Jamal Adams and we'll get to get into this here shortly. I was I was really campaigning for us to take him. I think he would have been a really good addition to this defense, um, but not really a good look there at the uh um, towards the end of the game, right around the two-minute mark in the fourth, fourth uh, in the fourth quarter, he's stating that he didn't hear the whistle. It did seem like he was trying to plead his case after the hit, or after the it wasn't most, so much as a hit as it was like a German suplex kind of, right, <laughs> kind I know, of that, right. <laughs> that he did. But you know, it's you, you move on. the The Jets were obviously pretty irritated, but you know, I'm a big fan of Golik and Wingo, and Mike Golik Senior has always said, "Hey, if you have a problem, stop them." You know what I mean? We've mm. been on the opposite side of this. For so many years, and this is what back last year when the, the Seattle game happened. Seattle hates us because we're them now. That we are the we are the new quote unquote you know Legion of Boom style team. You know they don't take any crap from anybody, and they're loud and you know and, and they're obnoxious, and that's why people people aren't going to like us. And you know what? I am totally okay with that. So if that's <laughs> how it's going to be. Then you know what? We're not even concerned with the Jets anymore. We are we're moving on. So. The next quick hit we want to speak about, uh, Leonard Fournette, once again, went out with an, in, with an injury. Uh, tightness in his hamstring, I believe, is what it was. And it's kind of something that we were just kind of coming to expect now. I remember towards, uh, you know, even in, in Fred Taylor's heyday, he had this problem. You know, it was like, man, whenever we have that guy, 
we are we are very very good, but it's just is he going to be available? You right. know, and um, and once again, Fournette did go out with injury. Um, his final stat line, uh, which we should have gone over over first, but uh, eleven carries and thirty yards, so nothing too impactful in the game. It was nice to see him out there, but he wasn't out there very long. So Jay, what are you hearing about this latest injury? I'm seeing reports that he may be out another couple of games. What's going on with uh, 27? Yeah, um, I, I haven't heard anything like specifically close to a DD or, or about the injury, but I know Doug Marone said after the the game that basically, you know, he's worried about the hamstring just as, as a whole, like the condition it is in after, you know, re-hurting it or re-aggravating it if you will so that said you would think it's gonna hold him out you know upwards of another two to four weeks I mean that this I'm, this is just me guessing now and speculating I'm no doctor by the way but I mean looking at how long it took him to come back from the injury and re-aggravating it um you know it's something that you just you can't just like rush in terms of and we've seen this with Fred Taylor it's something you can't rush back uh you can't put him on the field and risk him re-aggravating it again or further damaging it you just kind of have to put him on the field when it's completely healed because it's one of those injuries that's it's like a soft tissue type of deal and they linger and especially you know they're common with running backs and 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 furthermore running backs are currently getting hit on that area you know of, of their lower body so you have to worry about that as well so you know I, I personally again I don't you know I ain't spoken with no trainers or nothing about this but I personally wouldn't expect Leonard Fournette to come back anytime soon and I, I, I would put a window just off the top of my head and based off of his history and based off the history of this injury uh, I would just say off the top of my head two to four weeks um, maybe even longer <clears throat> so we'll see yeah, it's just so frustrating because you're, you know, you hope that with him getting into, uh, you know, in, in losing uh, some weight and slimming down, you know, in the off season would, would help this because when he's on the field, he is a, um, you know, he's definitely a difference maker, and 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 it's unfortunate to not be able to see him out there. And very frustrating given that players like Alvin Kamara, who's lighting it up right now, and Kareem Hunt doing the same thing, Christian McCaffrey even, you know, having a, a good year. Those guys are going out and and they're available. You know, of course, the best ability is availability. You hear that all the time. And right now, Leonard Fournette's availability is at, you know, pretty much at an all-time low. So we're going to get into that here a little bit later uh, in the show. But first, we want to just review the standouts offensively and defensively from good, bad, and the ugly from yesterday's win. So how did the offense uh, offense look? So really quick to go over the box score. Now, BB5, the boat, um, with with our friend, friend of the show, Blake Bortles Facts, in the building, by the way, with his lovely family. Uh, Blake Bortles put on a show, 29 of 38. He completed, I believe, his first 11 or 12. He went a while before he had an incompletion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, uh, I believe, a, the throwaway where he you knows he was making good. He's been making good decisions. And um, it's it's really been showing now, of course, other than, you know, Tennessee, you know, the that team just seems to have his number. But that's another topic for another day. Um, 29 of 38, 388 yards, two touchdowns with a 114.8 quarterback rating to go along with three carries. 28 yards and I believe 23 of them came on all on one play but Mm -hmm. still 
able to make those plays with his feet when he needs to. TJ Yeldon, the stat line doesn't look that impressive, but his impact was definitely felt. 18 carries, 52 yards. That's only it's a little bit less than three yards a carry, but he still had that touchdown. And also in the receiving game, he had three catches for 48 yards with a touchdown as well. Now, uh, as far as the other receiving standouts, D.D. Westbrook, another big game for him. Nine catches, 130 yards for the rookie. Great, great game from him. Dante Moncrief had five catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and then nothing really else too, uh, that stood out too much from the offense. But it was, it's great to see D.D. just really coming into his own. And then Moncrief as well uh, coming in and having an impact early on after a, a sub, a, a very subpar debut against the New York Giants. So um, what did you see? You know, just uh, we'll, we'll start with with Blake because, you know, he's all, pretty much what we start with every single week, whether it's good, <laughs> whether it's good or bad. Right. So what are you seeing from Blake? And I, I think I saw a tweet from Brent Martineau this morning. It was, you know, it's definitely a tough day to be a Blake Bortles detractor, which is great. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I can speak for you, Jay. If we're wrong about Blake Bortles, we would love that. I hope that I'm wrong oh, yeah. about Blake Bortles. For and these sure. and, and the and, you know, I, I, I tweeted out yesterday. We've had two games with great Blake. He had a great game against New England. He had a great game here yesterday against New York. He had a meh, you know, an okay game against the Giants. Yeah. And then he had his typical terrible game against the Titans. So if we can get some kind of consistency in here, um, this is this is an almost unbeatable team. So mm-hmm. what do you think of Blake's career day uh, yesterday against the Jets? Yeah, I'll start by saying, like, I think people can see it in, in the language of my articles now that I'm just – at this point, I'm beginning to just ex- accept Blake as inconsistent, you know, like at this point of his career, as we say all the time, he, he is what he is. So when he's good, Blake, I'll take it. When he's bad, Blake, you know, we'll, we'll light into him on the podcast, so to speak. Uh, so that being said, though, yeah, Blake was uh, mighty impressive. Uh, that performance was awfully reminiscent of what he did against the um, New England Patriots. Now, granted, I guess you could say this might be a little bit more impressive than the Patriots game for the simple fact that I think the Jets defense and and most should agree with this is better than the Patriots. I mean, some people will make the argument that they're not. But I mean, you look at this defense, you know, they they have some stars on this team. Like, you know, as we just pointed out, uh, Jamal um, Adams, um, who we were very high on in the draft process, Um, Jordan Jenkins, you know. Uh, Buster Screen, even though, you know, he's not a full-time starter, he, he's decent. Brandon Copeland, um, Marcus May, Leonard Williams, just off the top of my head, you know, those are some names that, you know, are they, they're decent players. They're decent to very good players. Uh, so that being said, like, you know, it's not like Blake went out there and had a, a good game against a very poor defense this time around. The 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 Jets have some talent on that side of on that side of the ball. So that was great from that perspective. Um, but again, like and going back to what I said about the Patriots game, you know, it, it was a lot of, you know, receivers running wide open and in his defense, he didn't miss them. Um, he even threw some receivers open and, and had some good anticipatory throws, as we saw with the Moncrief, um, even though, you know, we can argue Moncrief may have pushed off a little bit. But, hey, if the refs don't call it, mm, yeah, it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's not a penalty, <laughs> and that's fine by me. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that being said, like, you know, when you look at how he started the game, I think this is always going to be the case. You know, Nate Hackett understands that he has to get Blake Bortles going early and keep him in a rhythm. He's always been a rhythmatic type of passer. 
And uh, he started the game hot and he didn't turn back. So you, you look back at the Titans game, you know, the, the issue was he didn't start so hot and he struggled and he could never get going after that. So I think, you know, going forward, it's just it's key in those first couple of drives to just get Blake going, you know, get him hitting some receivers on some throws. And usually you could dictate how the game is going to go from, you know, how that first and second drive goes. And um, that was the classic case in the case of this game week four. And uh, it was an overall impressive performance that uh, I will not complain about. Yeah, it's always nice to see that out of Blake Bortles. And, you know, he's he's really a guy who, as far as, you know, his play, you know, we get you know, you know we get very frustrated with him here at the, at the Jaguars wire. But, mm-hmm. you know, as a person, you know, you, you really want him to do well. He's an entertainer. Oh, yeah, if you've man. seen if you've seen the or heard or seen the audio of him mic'd up <laughs> over this weekend, <laughs> it's fantastic, man. He right, is a man. he's an entertaining, fun guy. And while he may not be the face of the franchise, he's he's a guy that you want to root for. He really, mm-hmm. really is. And you, yeah, look no further than the um, <laughs> it went past the line. Shut up, learn the rules. You're right you know, like, to Leonard Williams. Yeah. Yes, he, bro, he's so like <laughs> that quote alone is that shows that Blake Bortles is so Jacksonville. Like yeah. if you you know if you went out and 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 the or if fans were to create the perfect person themselves like a custom creation of what they would want a player to be, it would be Blake Bortles. Man, I love him right. from that perspective. Yeah, and it's easy, you know, it's easy to get behind him whenever he <laughs> things like that happen and his, you know, in his press conference when he, they're asking him about the uh the two-point conversion, <laughs> he just goes, "I just I just work here, man." You know what I mean? Right it's, right. it's great. He really like you said, he has that Jacksonville mentality. You know, he's right down he, he's from right down the road in Oviedo and um right outside of Orlando and it, it, like I said, if, like I said in the beginning, if, if we're wrong about him, man, that'll be fantastic. I, I hope mm-hmm. we are, and it's really great to see him out there having a good time, and also, but also at the same time making the right decisions. So it was really good to see him come out and and rebound after that uh, that terrible performance against the Tennessee Titans. So moving on to his uh, his uh, receiving core, uh, D.D. Westbrook and Dante Moncrief have become the first duo since the Allen Bros. Um, can't remember. Those guys' names. But uh, <laughs> since December of 2015 against the Saints, to both have more than 100 yards receiving or more uh, as a duo, which is really nice to see. So we talked about this. We've really seen Dante – I'm sorry, D.D. Westbrook coming into his own here in the last few weeks. And Dante Moncrief has also been showing why we brought him in in the first place. So as a guy who's kind of on a prove-it deal, you know what I mean? Like who's right. to say that, hey, maybe he'll come – he comes in and he makes a, a big impact. Who knows what's what's going to happen in the future, you know, performances like this are only only be- are benefiting both of us, you know, the team as well as 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 Moncrief. So, mm-hmm. what did you um, what did you like about the performance you saw out of the uh, out of the receivers? It seems like it's it's somebody new every week. Last uh, right. you know against the Patriots, it was Keelan Cole now and Dede Westbrook and then Moncrief and in a couple of games. So uh, yeah. yeah, what are we liking out of the receiving core so far? Yeah, I mean e- even those two aside, like I'll say this like. Blake Bortles has done a, jo- a good job of spreading the wealth. Ten different receivers touched the ball yesterday, and that that goes that ranges from Leonard Fournette, who wasn't there that long, to like you know DJ Chark and Corey Grant, Niles Paul. Like the wealth is being distributed, but in terms of the guys he hit the most and he had the biggest connection with, of course, yeah, it was Westbrook and Moncrief. And the more and more like I watch the Jaguars and the 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 good 
receiving performance they have, uh, performances they have, going back to the, the New England Patriots game as well. The more and more this team reminds me of, you know, like a Tom Coughlin's Giants team. Uh, and I've said this before. You remember back when Tom Coughlin was with the Giants and um, he had, you know, he had a slew of receivers to go to. But he mainly used, I think it was Victor Cruz, Hakeem Nix. And it was one more other guy that I'm missing his name. Mario uh, Manningham. Yeah, and Manningham. Like he had a trio of receivers he can go to. And three guys that easily could have been 1,000-yard receivers with the way Eli Manning was playing. And he was playing in a very streaky fashion, kind of like Blake. You know, when Blake gets hot, it's it's over. And, and, you know, when he's bad, he's just bad. But, yeah, this team reminds me, this receiving core reminds me a lot of that, you know, that group that Tom Coughlin once had. And I think, like, when he looks at these guys, he's reminiscent of that. And he understands that, like, they can probably do this by a committee approach with the receivers. And that, you know, that it doesn't necessarily have to be a number one guy, although, you know, they have some guys atop the depth chart that could take the game in their hands if need be with, you know, with that being either Cole or Westbrook or Moncrief, as we've seen throughout the season, you know, like it was times where, you know, Cole looked like he could have beaten the Patriots alone, you know, just based off what he was doing. Same can be applied for Westbrook against the Jets or, or even Moncrief in that case. So, you know, they, they are a talented bunch, uh, a very underrated bunch. I don't think they get enough credit, in my opinion, for uh, what they do. Yeah, they you really know? don't. Right, right. A, a lot of people don't know these guys. They're not household names. They should be. For you know, and I'm not just saying that because you know I'm a fan of the Jaguars, but D.D. Westbrook should be a household name because you know that he's a guy that was a first and second round talent to begin with. Nobody should be surprised that he's doing what he's doing. You know, same could be applied for for Keelan Cole, even though you know he was undrafted. But if you look at what he did last year, you know he should be one of those names that people should be well aware of, and for whatever reason they aren't. So um, that said, uh, kudos to them. And what they did, uh, especially Westbrook, who is a guy that I think like, you know, I've made the argument it's possible he's the best receiver on the team. And he just keeps, you know, continuing to prove, you know, us right from that perspective here at the Jaguars wire. And it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out with all of those guys, because they all are talented. And, and you know, like it, it'll be interesting to see if they continue the committee approach or somebody breaks out as that lead guy as a number one. Yeah, and you know, I think they're they're perfectly fine with doing with you know wide receiver by committee because remember in the earlier in the year when people were were panicking, oh, we got to bring in Des Bryant, we got to go mm-hmm. get Josh Gordon, you know, you got to go. No, no, we don't. They are so comfortable with this receiving core. You, we haven't even talked about Marquise Lee, and obviously it's next man up. That's how the NFL goes, right? But you haven't even mentioned Marquise Lee. Like no one even remembers. It. <laughs> like, yeah, Marquise Lee isn't isn't even a part of this team, honestly. I kind of forgot about it until I played Madden and I threw a pass <laughs> to Marquise Lee. And I was like, oh, that's right. We have Marquise. You know, looking at looking at their their numbers so far, uh, Keelan Cole, 17 catches, 225 yards, and a touchdown. I didn't even realize he only finished 27 yards shy of 1,000 yards last year. You know, or, mm-hmm. um, oh, and, like, that that's insane. You know what I mean? Like, right. That's, you know, that's great for him. Um, let's see. D.D. Westbrook, 21 catches, 294 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and then Dante Moncrief, 12 catches, 173 yards. But two touchdowns. So, like I said, they're very comfortable with this uh, with this receiving core, along with their slew of tight ends that they have to go to. I think each one of them, <laughs> each one of them had two catches. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy, uh, uh, ASJ, and Niles Paul all had 
two catches. So, yeah, they're they're definitely very comfortable with this duo. Oh, by the way, just to spill a little tea, Allen Robinson, 19 catches, 217 yards and a and a touchdown. I'm probably and th- that probably all came yesterday as everybody in the Bears, I think. <laughs> Yeah, they, okay. they still running wild down there. At, uh, was it where they at Soldier Field? I think it was. Yeah, it was in it was in Chicago. So yeah. you know that, um, you know, not to get off topic, but that defense is real, man. That that Chicago Bears defense is is for real. And the fit and Fitz match. to John Gruden for uh, trading my man Khalil Mack. <laughs> Don't know what the f that guy was thinking, but John Jesus Gruden, Christ, the whole we could talk a whole, we could do a whole episode on John Gruden, man. How I feel about that guy, but. Um, and the Fitzmagic seems to have run out, unfortunately, for Tampa Bay as Jameis Winston will get the start after the bye week. So hang in there, Buccaneers fans. It's um, Hopefully it'll get better for you guys <laughs> soon. Right, right. But uh, feel free to jump in the bandwagon. You know, there's still spots. Anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on next to the running backs. Of course, Leonard Fournette left in the second quarter and never returned. TJ Yeldon, once again, the numbers will not show you that he had a dominant game, but he had a huge impact on the outcome of this uh, of this game. Um, so, you know, we we have been huge supporters of TJ Yeldon um, pretty much since we got going. So, you know, what do you think we should do going forward, of course, with with Fournette just proving that he's he's probably not going to be reliable and Corey Grant and Brandon Wilds not seeming to be able to get keep the momentum going whenever mm-hmm. they move into that second or third, uh, you know, when they move into that second running back role. You know, what are you seeing out of T.J. Yeldon, and do you think, you know, any kind of moves are going to be made to maybe bring in somebody else to be a more consistent runner behind T.J.? Uh, well, I will say they worked out um, the former Bears running back last week. Uh, I forget his name. I'll have to look it up. But, um, yeah, they, they worked him out, and um, – you know, I, I don't know if it was necessarily because they do have concerns. And Doug Marone did say, as we have already said, that he was concerned about the hamstring. But I don't know if that's the, if that is because they're concerned about the health and running back. Because even, you know, like, and we love Yeldon, don't get me wrong. But, you know, Yeldon's been on the injury report the last few weeks, too. And, he you know, he has a history with injuries, too. But to his credit now, he's been able to play in every game, every regular season game, which is great. And, um, you know, I absolutely love what he's doing and, um, and, and whatnot. But, you know, there's going to come a time like, you know, we can't always depend on Blake Bortles. We have this discussion all the time. And we're, it's going to come a time where the Jaguars are just going to have to ground and pound their way through teams. And, you know, you have to question, like, it's, you know, Yeldon the guy for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, he great receiver and great, you know, and he, he's a decent rusher. You know, he's better a better rusher than people give him credit for. But, you know, if he is going to be the guy going forward while Fournette is gone, he's going to need some help. And as we saw last week with Corey Grant, you know, a lot of people have been complaining about him getting on the field. And we love Corey Grant, too, here at Jaguars. But one of the issues we saw with him was vision, and he, he was running through the wrong holes and whatnot. But as a receiver, he's phenomenal. But what I say that to say this is, you know, they need somebody who can go between the tackles consistently and do it, you know, close to the level that Fournette does. And, you know, at this point of the season, you're not going to find that off the street or anything. So you would have to think, like, that's going to predominantly have to be T.J. Yeldon. And, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if the Jaguars wouldn't, you know, claimed a a running back, like maybe in the place of Brandon Wilds and cut Brandon Wilds, a a veteran guy that could help them out in that department. So I don't really know who's on the market right now. I haven't looked at the running back market in a long time, but um, but, um that being said, like, Jamal I thought, Charles. 
<laughs> yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> no disrespect to Jamal Charles, but okay, if you say Not so. Not anymore. All right. But uh, yeah, like this, this just goes back to my concerns, Phil, and I, I've expressed these with you and Jacob. I felt like we should have drafted a running back this year. And we'll talk about another subject about drafting running backs later. But in terms of last year's draft or or this year's draft, I'm sorry, I felt like we should have drafted a running back, whether it be like a late round guy or whatever, because this was yeah. my concern going into the season. I knew that there was going to come a time where Leonard Fournette was going to miss games. TJ Yeldon was going to be surfacing on the injury report while Fournette was out missing games, you know, as a basically a game time decision from week to week. And that just leaves you with, you know, that puts you in a situation where you got two running backs on the injury report and you're questioning, you know, if either one of them is going to be able to start on a week to week basis. That was my issue with the Jaguars not drafting the running back, and it's it's showing now. And uh, you know, like I said, they yeah they got Wiles, and yeah they got Grant, but you know, it, it seems that those two guys are being questioned as runners between the tackles, while they may offer something on the receiving end, and that is where the issue lies going forward. Yeah, and it's nice that you know Yeldon has been able to you know to play through these injuries and of course Absolutely. we're a quarter of the way through the year and you know we're going to get to the point where pretty much everyone is playing hurt so mm -hmm. if if Leonard Fournette is not going to be available then you know they're going to have to figure out something really quick I did want to correct myself on a stat I mentioned earlier mm -hmm. um the the numbers I was looking at for Didi are his career numbers so but still last year uh 42 catches 748 yards so still only a couple hundred yards away from a 1,000 yard season for a undrafted rookie. Um, so yeah, Keelan, like I said, they're very, very happy with Keelan Cole and hey, the rest Phil. of the receivers. So yeah. And one more thing on um, the running backs too, as well. Uh, before we we change into subjects here, um, uh, something that I wanted to ask was the fact that like T.J. Yeldon, you know, he he's been solid and he's been performing well. And with me and you and you know, hopefully Jacob will jump on the bandwagon one day and have some sense. OK, <laughs> but, you know, we're big fans of Yeldon and whatnot. Um, So I wanted to ask the question like and, and, and you know, provide an, another layer of content on this podcast. Like, do you think like he should get an extension off of this year? Because this is a contract year for him. I think he absolutely deserves oh, one. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely yeah. can't let a guy like that who's been as consistent uh, as he has. You can't let him go. Um, right. Hopefully they, hopefully they lock him up, and he doesn't want to go somewhere and start. You know what I mean? Because uh, mm -hmm. he may feel like he deserves that opportunity. And you know what? He did get an opportunity here for a couple of years. So, right. I but I definitely think he needs to. We we need to keep him at all at all costs, especially since you didn't draft a guy. And mm -hmm. Corey Grant, like you said, is great in the passing game, but he's not going to be your. He's not going to give you ten. 10 to 15 carries he's just not capable of doing it whether it be his ball carrier vision or whatever it is just it's not the same you know right. just being fast is just not enough to be a good you know does not make you a good running back uh in the league unless you're you know chris johnson and you can do it all but Floyd <laughs> right, right. grant's not chris johnson so we definitely need to keep him right. for sure i'm with you so. on it uh, it'll be interesting to see you know the, his future but i think his, his, he has a bright future with the jaguars if they can keep him um, and you know, like you said, it's a matter of like, he may want to start somewhere, but at the same time, I think Yeldon realizes that like, he hasn't really been healthy enough to, in his past to, to be a, a quote unquote starter. And not only that, I think he also may recognize the opportunity 
that he might have with the Jaguars in terms of, you know, a championship Going forward. Yeah. Yeah. So like that might help, but uh, ultimately time will tell. Yeah. On the year, 49 carries, 205 yards. So like you said, you know, not necessarily stats that are jumping off the board, but he's still averaging 4.2 yards a carry. And, um, you know, he's going to have plenty of opportunity to, to play if he, if he stays healthy, um, as long as Leonard Fournette continues to, to be out with injury and, you know, Leonard Fournette, that's what we, you know, we hinted at earlier. We wanted to, to speak about, and, um, you know, you and I have discussed this privately and on, on the podcast as well, you know, looking back at that 2017 NFL draft, it was loaded with talent and also quarterbacks. Now, of course, on a day like this, it's easy to say, Hey, we got our quarterback, but there have been times like last week where, you know what, maybe we don't have a quarterback. We don't know. Uh, it's kind of a moving target around here in Duval (laughs) County. So, you know, just looking back, and of course, it's easy to do this now because we we have a little bit of, a little bit of a sample size from you know some of the other mm-hmm. players. Overall, was it a mistake to take Leonard Fournette as at four? You know, up, up until right. Saquon this year, that was you know pretty high for a running back. You know, who, who was it recently that Ezekiel Elliott had really started changing? You know, started this trend, and and you know you see, and I've been on the record, Leonard Fournette's definitely not Ezekiel Elliott. He's Leonard Fournette's mm-hmm. extremely talented. But I don't think he's Ezekiel Elliott. So overall, was it, you know, should they have gone somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, well, first I'll start by saying this, you know, my as a a fan of new school drafting and new school drafting content, I guess like the the ways of Dave Caldwell and, and whatnot, even though he did take Leonard Fournette uh, with the fourth pick last year. Uh, yeah, as a fan of new school drafting, nah, I don't, you know, I don't feel like you ever should take a running back that high. Uh, I, you know, maybe in the ranges of like the twenties on down, but as a top, you know, five to 10 pick, maybe even top 15 pick. No, like I, I've never been a fan of that. Um, love Leonard Fournette. I'll say that as well. And love, uh, what he does for the community, especially what he's done on the field. And I mean, I just, I love him as a personality. Like he gives us comical moments as fans, but I, I mean, I say that to say this, like, I don't think it was a good idea at all. I, I didn't at the time, and I still don't think it was a good idea to take him fourth overall. And, and you know, if we can – me and you discuss this. Let's throw the quarterback thing out of the window because me and you are advocates that, you know, they should have passed on the running back to take a quarterback, uh, say a Patrick Mahomes or um, what's my man, Deshaun Watson. Well, you wouldn't even been – I remember before that draft, you had heard rumblings that they were maybe interested in Mitchell Trubisky, right? Yeah, you. I mean, there were rumblings, so like that came out not to be uh, true. But yeah, but that being said, I mean, like throwing the quarterback thing out of the equation. Even so, the Jaguars could have spent that pick on another. You know what I'm saying? Some somewhere else. Uh, Jamal Adams, as me and you have discussed, went afterwards. That's a non-quarterback. Um, you know, uh, who who else we got here? Marshawn Lattimore, which they may not have been looking at, but you know, right. Marshawn Lattimore. Even Malik Hooker, even though, you know, they had Tashawn Gibson, uh, Malik Hooker had elite, like elite safety traits. You know what I'm saying? And like, I, I feel like safety is a more premium position than running back is. If if you want to go by, you know, in terms of the value on the position, 
I mean, yeah, like, of course, there's like offensive tackle, defensive end, quarterback, cornerback. Those are premium positions. But, you know, you can make the argument that safety is more premium, especially in today's day and age, in today's past happy right. league. You can make an argument that safety is more valuable than running backs in some case. I mean, especially when you could get a running back late in the draft. So, yeah, like they could even like shored up the defensive line, get like a, you know, like a Derek Barnett who, you know, we've seen have success with Philadelphia, albeit, you know, he's only been there two years or, you know, you know, somebody in the trenches would have helped. I mean, that's what they did this year. So that being exactly. said, man, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm still not high on the Fournette pick, never was. Uh, this doesn't help it. And uh, hopefully we can get him back healthy. But, um, yeah, to yep. me, this seems like a wasted pick early in the stages of his career. Yeah, and you, and, you know, obviously it's easier said than done, but, you know, trading, you know, we were talking about even, hey, trade back, get get some assets, you know. Mm-hmm. Look who look at the guys who went late. T.J. Watt, you know, has just been pretty much the only bright spot on a terrible Pittsburgh Steeler defense. Right, right. Uh, even Taco Charlton, you know, every pick the Cowboys make is highly criticized, and he's turned out to be a pretty good player as well. I mean, the Cowboys mm-hmm. got a first-round pick correct. You know, they don't really do that very often. Right, Trust me, I right. know. It doesn't happen that often, uh, you know, and then, of course, as as you had alluded to, you can get a running back late, and there's two mm-hmm. examples right there in the third round. Alvin Kamara, pretty good. Right. Kareem Hunt, pretty damn good. So both, both of those of, guys went in the third round. Both of whom I mock draft to us on the Jaguars wire later in the draft. And, yep. You know, people so. were mad about it. Like, you know, nah, we should get Fournette early, man. Like, I mean – Bro, I mean, I'm an SEC fan, okay? So I knew, I already knew what Alvin Kamara was capable of. And, I mean, I'm, I haven't looked up his, uh, in terms of his, how many games he's played, but he's been much more healthier than Fournette, and you could have got him later, you know? like And, like, if me and you are saying this, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is the issue. You know Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin, as, as they, this is their job as professionals. You know they knew that just as well as we did in terms of, you know, the value on those guys late. You know, and, you know I get that people miss on draft picks and whatnot, and, like, they're not perfectionists. But I, I do – I don't buy for a second that Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell didn't know that they could hit on a running back later in the draft. You know, that's right. what, I, what I mean by that, so – I mean, I and guess. here's another. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, here's another name. You know, it's not necessarily that he's a um, he's a big number guy because they're running back by committee there. But Tariq Cohen also won the fourth round. Also mm-hmm. having a pretty good, pretty good career thus far. You know, he's All definitely right. a weapon they like to use. So uh, it's yeah, like you said, it's you know, it's easy to 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 say that now and. But us not really being on board with it to begin with, and like you said, this, the recent events definitely not helping. And and as you mentioned before, Leonard Fournette might be the funniest player on the team. He might <laughs> be. He is definitely the most entertaining. And like you said, he's been such a huge part of the community here, and continues to be a huge part of the community in Louisiana, which right. is which is fantastic. You know, he's a great a great character guy and he's a, and he's a fun guy, you know, him and Jalen, I would like, we've said this before, we would watch a TV show of those two guys. We'd like, I would love to just follow those guys around. Um, but you know, when it comes down to football, which is what this ultimately is about, he's, uh, you know, unfortunately it's, he's, he's been, he's been unavailable more than he's been available for the most part, but hopefully that will turn around. We'll see how long he's going to be out going forward. Um, but yeah, otherwise, 
solid, solid day from the offense um, and maybe an even better day, which is crazy to think about from the defense. Um, you know, of course, the New York Jets roll in with uh, with a rookie quarterback, Sam Darnold, you know, goes 17 to 34, 167 yards. He had that one touchdown, um, but he looked like a rookie. You know, when he, if you're if you're one of the best defenses in the league, this is how you're supposed to play against a rookie quarterback mm-hmm. in a rebuilding offense. And that is exactly what they did. Uh, Miles Jack led the way with with five tackles. Tyler Patman, they were really testing him, and he was like, all right, let's go. Let's, right. let's do it. <laughs> just <laughs> as he was in training was, camp, man, just fiery and ready to go, man. Exactly. They were targeting <laughs> Tyler Patman a lot, and he was more than up for the challenge, so it was great to see him. He was one of our favorite guys in camp. Um, Barry Church and Malik Jackson each, each contributed with the sack, as well as Yannick Ngakwe. Um, and, uh, yeah, A.J. Boye had uh, two passes that he probably probably should have had as far as interceptions, but um, that defense, once again, just flying all over the field, uh, which is which has been great to see. I saw an awesome stat on Twitter from uh, from Tad Dickman. So this is um, – they've shut out their opponents in the, in the first half of six games – since Marone took over as head coach, they're they're now six and zero in those games. Um, they now lead the NFL with only three touchdowns allowed, and have not allowed a first half touchdown through four games. Um, that is just insane. Um, you know, also uh, fourteen points per game is first in the NFL. 259.2 total yards, first in the NFL. 164.2 passing yards, first in the NFL. And 95 rushing yards, which is good for ninth in the NFL, which if you take away that Saquon Barkley run in the first week against the Giants, they would actually be ranked first there as well. So the number one, number one overall defense, not that we expected any different, but it's nice to see that they still have that uh, that fire that hunger mm-hmm. to go out there and be the best so man jay what are you just seeing out of this defense and they're still continuing to be elite um, and right. through the first quarter of the season you know you got they, they've essentially gotten us to three and one and they just they've been as dominant as ever mm-hmm. what have you liked and what do you what did you see yesterday that you really enjoyed yeah I, i'll start by saying this man I, I didn't even like the fact that they were overshadowed by blake bortles's performance granted it was a career performance but it's like me and you say all the time, like this defense pretty much is consistent. They are the consistent part of the team that shows up week in and week out. And it's like, you know, yeah, Blake had a career day, but did anybody not notice that defense on the other end that held the Jets to 12 points? And really, when you look at how the Jets got on the board, it was a result of like offensive mistakes, offensive turnovers, really. So, I mean, to ask the defense to to bail them out in those kind of situations, short field situations, you know, that's, that's a bit much to ask for, but the, the defense, man, they, they've been phenomenal, man. These first four games, this first quarter of the season. And as you said, like they're number one in three of the major categories, they're in 10th against the run, which I don't know if you mentioned that part. Did you? Yeah, I did. Okay. Okay. So 10th against the run, which is, that's even better than they were, you know, last season and i know you mentioned the saquon barkley uh want the one breakout run he had but aside from that like you know this team looks to be much better against the run in the early stages of the season now granted you know they haven't exactly faced elite russian teams if you will like you know the patriots of course they've never been known to be ground and pound type of you know i mean you know they had Corey dillon and all of them back in the day but they never really been known as a ground and pound team 
Uh, the Jets, you know, the, they simply don't have the line to run like that. Uh, but still, you don't want to discredit the Jags and what they've done against the rush. They've done their part, what they can control against the run, and let's get better against it. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, ultimately it was just a, a good all-around performance. Yannick Ngakwe, Malik Jackson got their first sacks of the season. It's been a long time coming. Um, I think it was Malik Jackson's first sack of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, you know, those guys have been getting pressured left and right. You know, they're not – they haven't been registering as sacks necessarily. And a lot of people have been, like, complaining about that. Like, hey, we don't we don't have the sack number that we had last year and – you know, we, we're at 10 right now, if you will. But last year, we had some kind of astronomical figure. But that, that's yeah, not well, just... Yeah, well, at 10 after the first game, so, you know, people right. are... <laughs> <laughs> right, so I guess people we're a little spoiled. bit spoiled, yeah, if you will. But uh, that being said, like, that's not to say they haven't been getting to the quarterback, clearly, because we're the number one passing defense in the league, number one overall defense in the league. So, you know, they're, they're getting there still, just, you know, quarterbacks are wisening up and getting the ball out of their hands before we get there but you know that's that doesn't mean it's not registering as incompletions and and, and you know pressured throws so just look at tom brady in the sideline a couple weeks ago that's all <laughs> you need to know. <laughs> right they couldn't bring him down many times but he you know he's over there cussing out people left and right like it's you know it's their fault that they facing the elite defense but Oh uh, yeah, like overall, I, I love what they were doing. Could I wish we could have had those interceptions on Jalen's part and um, Boyer's part, uh, but you know the interceptions are coming. And Tashawn Gibson had one too, so that came back as a result of a penalty. Uh, but those will still they'll they'll come through eventually for us, and uh, hopefully that'll make this defense that's already been phenomenal even better when we start bringing in those picks and whatnot. Yeah, and just because just the same numbers aren't there, guys, don't be concerned because they're still all over, like like Jay said, all over the quarterback. And, you know, we had, um, you, you know, my, me and my buddies were there as far as, as from our vantage point, Sam Darnold was just always surrounded. You know what I mean? They're right. definitely getting to the quarterback and, and affecting that side of the ball. So so don't worry. They are going to – those sacks are going to come, those stats – and those interceptions, they're they're definitely coming. So oh, yeah. just just hold on, and you know they're going to for sure have to be this elite and come up with a scheme to to stop the that you probably maybe the the hottest player in the league right now in Patrick Mahomes and that high powered Chiefs offense. You know, I think we talked to uh, talked about it a little bit over on the Way Forward podcast, Jay, where it seems like now. Andy Reid has the toy that he has always wanted. Oh yes, and he is just letting it fly, man. You know, he is just having a lot of fun with Pat Mahomes. And yet, I remember in the off season, we we're like, why would you get rid, you know, of the consistency of Alex? And you know, he's not flashy, mm-hmm. but Alex Smith, he's been a solid quarterback. He's been right. a really. And there, there was talk about, hey, maybe we should bring him in here, and then he was shipped off to to Washington. But man, mm-hmm. uh, those guys over there with Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt, and they, they're the ones who landed Sammy Watkins, right? They have Sammy Watkins, I believe, correct? Yeah, the, the Chiefs, Chiefs do. Yeah, yeah the Chiefs have, you know, they got Sammy. And, and Travis Kelsey, you know what I mean? So yeah. this this is easily a game that should be prime time. I don't believe it is. It'll probably be game of the week, though. So you'll, we'll probably, it'll be, it should be a 4 o'clock kickoff since they're playing in, in Kansas City, I believe. But this is going to be a big one. 
we're going to learn a lot about both of these teams. Um, now, the Chiefs have not played this week. They play tonight. Um, as of recording, it's October 1st. We're recording this on Monday night, uh, Monday afternoon, I should say. So they have to play. They, they have yet to play. Um, but through, through the first few games, uh, Patrick Mahomes has pretty much been as advertised like we saw him in college. I don't know. I would have to find the picture. but Or the tweet. There was like... There was a game uh, where Baker Mayfield and Pat Mahomes played each other, and uh, it was uh, some something along the lines of like they they had like fifteen touchdown passes combined or something, something like that. Those guys, it was it was nuts. I would I'll have to find it and and, and show you the tweet because or the the box score because it was it was it was crazy. But you know Pat Mahomes has come out and really. Um, you know, really made this team his own. So what do you think the keys to victory against this high powered offense are, are going to be for the Jags next week? Yeah, man, they, it's, it's going to have to, they, I mean, because obviously, you know, we, I, I think we've seen enough of the chiefs this year to say that their defense isn't uh, very good right now, at least for the moment. So, I mean, we, we know that, the Jacksonville Jaguars, depending on what they get out of Blake Bortles, again, like like Phil said, it's a revolving door. We don't we don't know what Blake Bortles we're going to get week in and week out, and that's how we're going to have to approach this game. We could get very good Blake, which we saw against the Jets and Giants, or we could get Blake that struggles mightily to complete the simplest crossing route, as we saw against the Titans. So I mean, that's the key here, of course, um, because that they're going to need that firepower to go head-to-head with Patrick Mahomes. Now, granted, Mahomes is going to be facing the best uh, defense of his career and statistically the best defense in football. So you would think, like, his stats would be a little bit neutralized, and I don't know that we should expect a 35-point to 40-point game out of him playing this defense. Uh, But Andy Reid is a mastermind, and we've we've said that on plenty of occasions. Uh, He's a guy that, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, although I'm not expecting it, it wouldn't surprise me if he could drop 35 on the Jags defense. I mean, we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo and, and, and what a mastermind Kyle, Kyle Shanahan can be against like a defense like ours. So you certainly can't rule out what Andy Reid can do. And, um, you know, like we can't week in and week out, you know, we can't be spoiled and expect the Jags defense to keep holding people to under, you know, 15 and 20 points, you know. Right. Like, that's, you know, that's high expectations of us, even though they're talented enough to do so, you know. And even they're going to have some games, some off games here and there, though they, you know, they've been way more consistent than the offense, and that's what we love about them. But, you know, if they have a bad game against the defense, you know, we or against uh, Patrick Mahomes, we can't sit up there and, necessarily be upset about it because they they've gotten the the team to this point ultimately they've been the most consistent uh part of the team so uh we'll we'll see how it goes um i don't like that it's at arrowhead one of the loudest crowds out there uh one of the best stadium atmospheres to witness uh so so to speak and some of the best barbecue apparently too we got to get out there yeah, yeah, I saw a documentary <laughs> on that actually, and it, you know how we love barbecue down here in the south. Yep. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. That being said, I, I'm very excited to see it. Of course, we're gonna get the A team from CBS Sports. Uh, my man Tony Romo, and uh, what, what's his partner name? Man, oh, it's escaping me right now. Oh, jeez. Oh God, yeah, it's. it's and we should know also that. Go ahead. Also, it is a, it is actually a one o'clock kick. It's a one o'clock. Oh my! I thought mm-hmm. I saw that it may have been. Nah, I don't know. I, I'm 
At least as of right now, it's a one o'clock unless they, you know, they move out. I believe they have to announce those changes by Tuesday. So they might they might move some stuff around. But as of right now, it's a one o'clock. OK, well, we'll see. It, it definitely deserves to be a four to to a primetime game type of deal. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch this one unfold. I haven't came up with a prediction yet because I want to see more film on Mahomes and more film on the um, the Chiefs defense. Uh, but I am indeed excited to see how it unfolds. Yeah. Um, now, I know going into week three, I'm not sure if it's the case any, or going in week four. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Going, I'm not sure if that's the case anymore. But they were, I believe, five quarterbacks on pace to break uh, Peyton Manning's all time touchdown <laughs> record in the, in the season, <laughs> single season touchdown record. I'm sorry. And Pat Mahomes is one of these guys. So, like I said, as, of the, as at the time of this recording, he has not yet played. They play tonight against the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football, um, which we fully expect to probably be another high-scoring game for for Kansas City. Denver is Denver is average at best this year. Now Pat Mahomes going into this game, 896 passing yards and 13 touchdowns, um, and of course Tyreek Hill has been all over the field, and and you really haven't even heard Kareem Hunt's name too much because they just like like I said, Andy Reid is just un, you know he has full reign of this playbook now. He can really do whatever he want with right. this quarterback because Pat Mahomes can move. You know, he can move. He make plays with his feet. He can move around and look at these scores in the first three games mm-hmm. at the Chargers, um, which which actually was a home game. Anytime you play in 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 uh, against the Chargers, it's a home game. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> they don't have a home field. No, I feel bad for that for that team because they yeah, just don't yeah. have a home field advantage. They put up 38 against um, San, I almost said San Diego. They put 38 up against the Chargers, 38, 28, 28. They put up 42 against the Steelers and then they put up 38 against the 49ers. Now, on the on the opposite side, they gave up 28, 37 and 27. So, like Jay said, the defense is not very good, but is our offense good enough to keep pace essentially? Because if it's going to be a shootout, I'm not sure that I like our chances, especially without Fournette and like I said, you know, you don't know what you're going to get with Jekyll and Hyde, Blake Bortles, you know, right, who knows what's right. going to what's going to happen there. So, well, I'll say this now, this is going to be one of those games like the Jets and the the New England Patriots where I think uh, Nate Hackett is just going to say, hey, look, man, I'm going to put this in Blake's hands again. I mean, he really don't have all that much of a choice without Fournette, you know, like right. the, those two games presented the chance where, look. You got to keep pace with the the best in league and Tom Brady, and you got to, you know, in the Jets' case, they didn't, you know, they lost Fournette early in the game, so like you lose your best player, or and you enter the game without your best player. It's like, you know, now is if any time, if there ever was a time to put the game in the hands of my quarterback, and that's probably what he's going to have to do. Uh, the only issue this time is Blake is not going to be in a home atmosphere; he's going to be in a hostile environment. But yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he has shown the ability to go away a la the Pittsburgh Steelers game in the playoffs and just go toe-to-toe with the best of them. So that's what we better hope for is that we see the Blake Bortles that we saw at Heinz Field this postseason. Yeah, I mean, you look at the stats of, for for Blake. They are they're they're letting him air the ball out. He threw the ball thirty three times against the Giants, forty five against the Patriots, thirty four against Tennessee, and thirty eight against the Jets. So they're letting him go out there and and throw the ball. Um, as you mentioned, a lot of that has to do with the absence of Leonard Fournette, I'm sure. But they are letting him go out there and and try to win it, especially these these two games against the Jets and the Patriots. So we'll we'll definitely see. It. If anything, it's it's going to be entertaining and i hope uh i hope we don't find ourselves into a shootout in a shootout with the chiefs because i'll get i'll be pretty nervous if uh if that happens i fully expect them to go into this game 
four and zero. I do believe that they'll beat Denver here tonight. Um, it may be high scoring, but I, I do think that they're they're better than than the Broncos. Um, now remember, last year the Chiefs did start five and zero, and then uh, pretty much and sputtered, you know, towards the end of the year. And you know, mm-hmm. Alex Smith strolled into New England and beat up the Patriots, and all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> and then the Patriots, uh, pretty sure, still ended up in the Super Bowl. So right. we will see. We'll see what happens there. We're we're very excited. Of course, make sure you follow the Jaguars wire for any up-to-date news on that matchup. But, Jay, that's pretty much it for this week, man. You know, that's all we wanted to talk about. It's it's always more fun to speak um, after a win as opposed to the performance, whatever we got from last week. I guess last week um, at the Titans game, uh, myself and, uh, and our buddy Eric, we actually took our kids to their very first Jaguar game. And, you know, we only made it till halftime uh, because of the heat and they were melting but also because the football was just so difficult to watch. So it's a lot easier to come in here and talk about a win than it is after a loss, of course. So um, before we close out, of course, make sure you follow us at Jags Den Podcast and the Jaguars Wire for all of your up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguars news. Jay, tell them what we got coming up and um, anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up here today. Yeah, more more coverage on yesterday's um a uh, great performance if you will uh coming up today uh for the rest of the day in terms of our content for today and i'll probably put some some stuff on the game up on uh tomorrow as well but uh tomorrow's mostly gonna be like you know pff stats probably and, and like the polls or, or should i say the uh not polls but um the rank power rankings Oh, go up tomorrow. So expect that. And then on Wednesday, we'll just start to move on to the Kansas City Chiefs, who are a rather interesting team. Um, hopefully we make get somebody from Chiefs Wire on or, or from a, a Chiefs uh, based site to talk about that as well. And uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, guys. Well, you know, as, as always, um, you know, I'm your host, Phil Smith. AKA Phil the Filipino. Uh, me and Eric, uh, me and my buddy Eric, just recently put out a review for the new anime movie, My Hero Academia Two Heroes, which, if you're a fan of that, definitely go check out our review over on SoundCloud as well as the i uh, the iTunes store. Um, but hey, guys, thank you so much again for making the Jaguars Wire and the Jags Den podcast such as, uh, as as much of a success as it has been thus far we have a lot of a lot more things for you on the horizon so make sure you keep uh, keep locked in over here but hey thanks so much for joining us we will see you next time and you guys be safe out there and go jaguars